Hey, it's Jay Keith. The show you're about to hear was recorded before a live audience at KPCC's Crawford Family Forum in Pasadena, California. It was our first show in over two years, and apparently it went pretty well because we were invited back to do another show on Sunday, August 14. So Sunday, August 14, please join us for our next live in-person show at KPCC in Pasadena. You can find info and tickets and scheduled guests whenever we have all that info at our website, gofactorpod.com. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? (laughs) Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. (laughs) Hi! Woo! Oh, I love that sound so much. We have missed that sound. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now from KPCC's Crawford Family Forum in Pasadena, California, in front of a live audience, here is our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Helen Hong. What an absolute joy and pleasure. Ooh, there's a good, what's the difference? What's the difference between joy and pleasure? We have to write that down for later. I don't know, but we have it all here. We have it all here tonight. And a, a joy and a pleasure to be back here with you in front of a live audience. Uh, Helen, not only have I not uh, seen these fine people in two years, I have not seen you in person in over two years no, as well. No, uh, we've only seen each other over Zoom. Yeah, I'm used to looking at you on a screen with a wall behind you. Yes. And uh, now I'm looking at you in real life, actually with a wall behind you. So it's really maybe not as different as I... Uh, this is so much nicer yeah. than my podcast studio, a.k.a. my bedroom closet. Right. We should explain. It was very weird for me uh, tonight, uh, as on top of everything else, to not have to like press any buttons or, or close a curtain or, or do anything that makes the show a podcast from my home, which is all stuff I had to learn in the last couple of years. As you listeners know, uh, might have heard on the show, I have had a baby in, in the middle of the pandemic. So for me at home, I have to go, I'm about to record. Everybody be quiet. Right. And the baby, of course, doesn't be quiet because right. the baby is a baby and will just make noise no matter what. Yeah. So. Well, uh, since then, I now have a fiancé in my home. Thank you so much. Thank you. I don't yell at her because <laughs> I'm, I'm no dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Helen, I'm so excited. Why don't we get started? Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics, and finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet tonight's guest. Helen, who was up first? He is an Emmy and Peabody-winning producer, actor, comedian, and writer who currently hosts the podcast Larry Wilmore, Black on the Air. It's Larry Wilmore! Larry! Hey, Wilmore! Hello, sir. How are you? We're like legit in the same room. <laughs> Alan, we have been in the same room many times. Yes, yes. we have. Yes. Uh, Larry, of course, people know you from your amazing work on In Living Color, The Bernie Mac Show, The Office, Blackish, Insecure, The Daily Show, The Nightly Show, an wow. amazing body of work that you've put together Thank for you. yourself, sure. What? Whoa. So I have to ask, why on earth would you be doing a podcast now? Because <laughs> we have to. You know, go fact yourself, you guys. Oh, he said it! 
I love the form of podcasts. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm a big fan of old-time radio and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I just love it. There's something intimate about it. You know, you're when you have a podcast, they take you with them. So, mm -hmm. like, yeah. they're going for a walk or they're in their car. You know, they're working out. So you build a relationship with the audience that's really cool. So I'm a big fan of podcasts. Yeah, there, there yeah. is something really intimate about, yeah. you know, it, it's like having a conversation and people are just eavesdropping like a fly on yeah. the wall. Larry, I saw an interview that you did in 2014 because you mm -hmm. talk about politics a lot and you describe yourself as a, a passionate centrist. Yes. Now, that was in 2014. Uh, has that changed for you at all? Well, what it means is not really a political statement. What it actually means is half the time I disagree with myself. That's oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And how do you resolve that, uh, that internal disagreement? I go with where the facts lead me. I say my opinion should never be more important than facts. I think you're you going to fit in very well in this program. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Do you do you argue with oh, it with constantly. yourself, All where the you're time. like, yeah. I, no, I want to feel this way, and you're and then you're you're more intellectual side well, now, 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 Larry. I love arguments. Like I'm not threatened by disagreement. You know, mm -hmm. but I love healthy arguments, not unhealthy arguments. Because yeah. how, how do you dis distinguish between a healthy and unhealthy argument? Well, when people a spirited debate, let's call it. You know, mm -hmm. when people can passionately say what their point of view is, I can passionately say mine. But. I do what I call active listening. If mm. I can learn something from that, I think that's fantastic. Mm. Now, what you I know? hear you saying is that if you can learn something right. from it, <laughs> people are like, who is this alien amongst us? <laughs> I had therapy once. I have. Um, <laughs> well, one of the things I learned about you as I was uh, getting ready for this, I'd known about a lot of the TV work that you had done. Sure. I did not know that you had had a recurring role on The Facts of Life. <laughs> yes, that's true. What? That's yes. true. Is that's that true? true? That's absolutely true. Officer Ziakis, which sounds typical. Yes, is yes. The name. <laughs> you, you definitely look of Greek ancestry. <laughs> yes, I'm exactly. sure. Yeah. I did this uh, theater thing for a friend of mine. It was like a writer's workshop. A friend of mine was a writer, and there happened to be some Hollywood writers in it. And I got a lot of laughs. I was doing stand-up at the time back in the day, just, just starting out, you know. And one of them came out to me and asked if I wanted to audition for the show. He did that. He was one of the writers on the show. It was amazing. Oh, was this like yeah. your first on-camera gig? Yes, it was. And I didn't get the part that I auditioned for. I auditioned for Tootie's boyfriend, actually. Ooh. Yeah. And the back. <laughs> I, I, I just feel that's something they would have done. Was, it was back when they did those special episodes, and yeah. he was like illiterate or something like that. And Tootie finds out, oh, he can't read. You know, <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things. And they really liked him, but they said, Larry, we like you, but we just don't believe that you're illiterate. <laughs> you know? I would think that's a compliment. I was uh, like, hmm, backhanded compliment. Yeah, you know? exactly. But they called me back, and they actually offered me the part of a police officer. They just asked if I wanted to do it. I was like, yeah, that's great. So I was the youngest police officer in the history of television. Excellent. Well, I recommend looking it up on YouTube. It is some fantastic it's, work that you did It's delightful. Thank yes. you very much. Last thing I want to ask you about, I know uh, in addition to the topics that we'll discuss tonight, you happen to be a fan of magic. You are a member yes, of, uh, of the Magic Castle. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering if that means, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, except that I do, <laughs> Uh, a lot of That's magicians okay. happen to have a trick ready to go at, at, at any time. Is it something that uh, that you have in your your uh, quill? Well, I'm not an obnoxious magician. Oh, so. okay. oh <laughs> thank goodness! Thank goodness! Because yeah. I didn't. There's no rabbit, as far as I know, backstage. No, absolutely not. No, sometimes you know, for certain um, occasions, I'll have maybe a deck of cards or that mm -hmm. type of thing. Right. But I'd rather borrow things from people and do things like that. Is this how you like make a couple of extra bucks? You're like, does anyone have a hundred dollar <laughs> yes, bill exactly. in the audience that you exactly. never want to see yes. again? And then you say, thanks for the 20. Okay, now. <laughs> see? That's how you do it. There you go. go. You're already learning how it works. Awesome. Well, you have not made my sense of hope and wonder disappear tonight. Oh, that's Larry good. Wilmore, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. 
Helen, against whom will Larry be competing? She is an actor and producer whose numerous film and television roles include a recent stint on NCIS and <laughs> several seasons of playing Lieutenant Tasha Yar and Commander Sela on Star Trek The Next Generation. It's Denise Crosby! Denise Crosby! Oh my god, oh my god, gentleman. oh my god. Oh my god. Larry holding out her chair as a gentleman. Yes, very If you guys gentleman. know me at all, you know that I'm freaking out. Helen right is now. freaking out, yes. Denise, we are happy to welcome you to our show. And in fact, we are happy to welcome you back to our show because oh. during our Zoom times, you were kind enough to appear as an expert on our show uh, when we did a topic about Star Trek Next Generation. And I'm even more happy that you decided to join us because I believe on that program, uh, you were misidentified in one of the answers as. Denise Richards. <laughs> oh my God, that's right. Oh no, she's gonna leave. Wait she just remembered. Okay, I've had. I've, I've no, 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 no. Please stay. Denise, of course, Helen mentioned your wonderful work on Star Trek: Next Generation. People, of course, also might remember you from your roles in Pet Cemetery, Forty Eight Hours, Deep Impact, and on TV for a long time on Days of Our Lives, Ray Donovan, Suits, The Walking Dead, an amazing career that you've managed to have for yourself as well. On Walking Dead, I was curious, you actually played a cannibal on that show. I played a mother. Oh, excuse me, a mother that who... that was surviving. Right. Okay. By eating. By eating whatever the hell was placed in front of her. Which okay? would include... Which would include anything. If I was ever going to be a contestant on Go Fact Yourself, one of my topics, other than Star Trek The Next Generation, would be the Donner Party. Because mm. I'm obsessed oh. with people eating people. Like, wow. upset. People, yeah. people eating people. Are the hungriest, hungriest people, people in the world. I think because I'm always curious, like, could I do it? If I was in that position, I could I eat eat people. But yeah. that's the whole point of, you know, The Walking Dead. It's yeah. they put you in these situations, what would you do? Yeah. And you don't you think you know. Right. Do you think you could eat people, Denise? I haven't eaten beef in 40 years. Me neither. Yeah. Not 40. I mean, I've been a, a vegetarian for I think you know, one thing we've learned is she would consider herself a mother. <laughs> uh, so, who would um, happen to eat it, something? And you know, I'd probably nibble on it a yeah, little okay. bit and see if it if it worked. You know, yeah. and a very yeah. practical woman—that's what people have always yeah. said about Denise Crosby, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Denise, last thing I want to ask you about: you famously, maybe some of our uh, younger audience members don't know this, but you famously posed nude in uh, Playboy magazine. Well, not completely, not completely nude. nude. Okay, let's, again with the disclaimers. I don't yes, want to have were... a Denise Richards moment okay. here. Okay, <laughs> let's—I—I let, I had little things wrapped around me strategically mm -hmm. and yeah yeah I was in Playboy yeah very good no, but not a centerfold oh god not a centerfold they would never have had me I looked like a boy I was flat chested and had you know cropped hair and nobody had ever looked like me in in uh, in Playboy Whoa. magazine I'm curious how do you look back on that now oh my lord I was you know all of 20 years old on Friday and Sunday <gasps> Hef Laid out a you know dinner and spread. I mean, mm. that's the wrong word. Yeah, um, you know, a, a buffet, yeah. a buffet. Yeah, he laid out a buffet and even buff in buffet uh, yeah, might yeah, be a little a problematic. Buffet. Still problematic. And yeah. you know, even laid was, out. I don't and, think. Yeah. And um, and no, no, no. Put out, put out. Mm. Put, put, no, no, um, <laughs> no. 
No. <laughs> presented. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Presented. Presented. Yeah. Presented. Yeah. Presented a buffet. Yeah. I would be in my no makeup, mm-hmm. army khakis and flip flops and go up there because I would have dinner by myself and I would watch whatever movie. He always had the first release <gasps> movies before Ooh. they came in the cinema. You know, I was up there for the exposure of the mansion in this elegant environment and he was always really respectful to me yeah always really and there were all these movie stars floating around sure. you know okay oh, wow so it was a the point is it was a pleasant experience for it you. was totally cool oh, okay good i was really worried where we were going to go with the next story <laughs> so that's excellent we want to thank you so much for being here denise crosby everybody All right, Larry and Denise, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Larry, you said you know a lot about Beatles lyrics, the original Star Wars trilogy, and the Showtime-era Los Angeles Lakers. Whereas, Denise, you said you know a lot about Pitbulls, the movie Airport, and how to make the perfect flip turn at the wall while swimming. Specific. Very, very specific. Later on, we're going to... Yes, Larry. No, I like that. I love yeah, I like, I like them too. <laughs> Hers are great. Yeah. Yours are better. <laughs> Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. Now, if either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Ooh. Your topic today, Cokes. First up is Larry. Larry, in the topic of Cokes, while they both might coax a person one way or another, what's the difference between trying to convince someone and trying to persuade someone? Convince and persuade. Oh, that's a good one. Finally, mm. right? Convince and persuade. Well, you know, it's our first live show. I thought we you were to do talking about Coca-Cola. Well, uh, we'll see. I, I uh, would say... Convincing someone is to get them to believe something, mm-hmm. and persuade is to get them to act upon something. That's what I would, I would make that distinction. Okay, and in fact, you just did. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good job. All right, uh, we've got Larry's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Denise, if you don't think he's got it just right, you can steal. What do you think? I would, yes, I would say the same thing, that g- convincing someone is to actually change mm-hmm. an opinion. right. Persuade would actually get them to do something, take an action. All right, well, this segment is persuading people to stop listening. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. You convince someone to change how they think or feel. You persuade someone to change how they act or yes. behave. Got it. Did we do this? Is it tie? <laughs> so oh. you convince the mind, but you persuade the body. Wow, yes. I got it. Sounds it. a little bit like a Barry White lyric. Convince the mind, and not persuade the body. Baby, I'm going to persuade you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Persuade you tonight. <laughs> I've been convinced that you need persuade. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't want to do the rest of this. Uh, I'm sorry. But I will. That is right, Helen. For instance, I was convinced that doing our show after two and a half years in front of a live audience was a good idea, but I was persuaded to show up to do it when I saw the fantastic remodel of the Crawford Family Forum here at KPCC in Pasadena, everybody. Beautiful. And I have not convinced anyone that I am sincere. Uh, Helen, how did our guest do? Larry Wilmore got both points yes, on that. Yes, he did. Very yes. good, Larry Wilmore. Wow. Only the first person who gets it exactly right gets the point. So I know you knew that, Denise, but okay. uh, that is the structure of okay. our game. That's cool. All right. Up next in Cokes is Denise. Denise, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? 
I will let them tell you themselves. Oh, is that because we have a listener recording? What? No, Jay Keith. It's because we have our first ever live in-person listener submission. How about that? An actual human. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, take it away, listener. Hello, listener. Thanks for having me, Helen and Jay Keith. I'm a huge fan of the show. Oh, thank you so much. My name is Spencer Marks from Granada Hills, California. And my question for What's the Difference is, while they both might persuade and convince you to give up sugary drinks, what's the difference between Diet Coke and Coke Zero Sugar? Spencer Marks, everybody. Thank you so much, Spencer. All right, Denise, you uh, you kind of anticipated that this might be the uh, other wow, Coke's side I of the know. question, what but was uh, I thinking? how about that? How All right, weird was is that? Yeah, okay. we're on the same wavelength. We love it. Okay, um, so Diet Coke mm-hmm. has some aspartame, if mm-hmm. I believe is true, and Coke Zero has none. All right, thank you very much, Denise. <laughs> uh, we have Denise's answer. We don't know yet if she is entirely correct. Larry, what do you think? Um, okay, I will agree with the first part. Diet Coke has aspartame, and I'll guess that Coke Zero uses stevia, perhaps? All right. Mm-hmm. By the way, just to be clear, Coke Zero Sugar replaced the similar Coke Zero in the U.S. in 2017, but uh, the, the answers, I believe, will it's, still stand. It's now officially called Coke Zero Sugar. Yes, because oh. every marketing department Which, should try to make their products harder to yeah, pronounce. Yeah, because yes. that was news to yes. me, too, until, yes. like, just now. All right, well, this segment is losing its fizz. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. <laughs> Here are the facts. Hold my hand. The main differences in these sodas involve how they're formulated and how they're meant to taste. Mm. The main differences in formulation have to do with sweeteners, caffeine, and citric flavors. Diet Coke has more caffeine. Coke Zero Sugar has added sweetener. Because Coke Zero Sugar was designed to taste as much like regular Coke as possible, but Diet Coke was designed to be its own thing with a lighter flavor than regular Coke. Uh, That's right. And uh, Diet Coke was such a hit when it was first introduced in 1982 that the Coca-Cola company decided to make its regular Coke taste more like Diet Coke, which led to the whole new Coke debacle in 1985. By the way, we did an entire segment on artificial sweeteners on the very first episode of Go Fact Yourself. You can go back and listen and decide if you prefer new Go Fact Yourself or Go Fact Yourself Classic. Helen, how did our guests do? Denise, I'm going to give you half a point because you said something about chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually don't know what the aspartame... There is aspartame in both of them, but yeah. uh, there's an additional oh. sweetener in Coke Zero. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Denise, I'm going to give you half a point for saying something about the, the chemical makeup. Yes. Gee, Helen, thank you. <laughs> That's so kind of you. I'm so grateful. Thank you. Oh, my God. I might die. All right. What is our score at the end of this round? At the end of this round, Larry Wilmore has two points and Denise Crosby has half a point. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Yay! Now, Helen, you probably know that I like and enjoy almost all types of meat. But, Helen, you only enjoy certain types of meat. That's right. I don't eat animals with four legs, but uh, the two-legged kind that go and the no-legged kind that go 
swim, 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 swim. <laughs> that's exactly how they go, yes? Yeah, that's those are the ones that I eat. Well, good news, because this summer you can add some power players to your grilling lineup with ButcherBox, the subscription service that delivers high-quality meat and seafood right to your doorstep. And again, Helen, how does that seafood sound? Swim, 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 swim. ButcherBox <laughs> is so great because they send you frozen high-quality meat that is so easy to portion out for as little or as much as you need for eating by yourself or hosting a bunch of folks for a party. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen for convenience, so you can save time on your next grocery store trip. Plus, the entire packaging is recyclable. So customize your own box or go with one of theirs. Either way, you get exactly what you want. Get your summer sizzling started with this special ButcherBox deal for our listeners. Free bacon for the life of your membership, plus $10 off. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash GoFact and use code GoFact to get one pack of free bacon in every box for the life of your membership, plus $10 off your first order. That's ButcherBox.com slash GoFact and use code GoFact to claim this deal. Thank Thank you, you, ButcherBox. Helen, we've got a new sponsor. Ooh, who is it? It's Microdose Gummies. What? That's right. This one's for the grown-ups. <laughs> uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, on a recent episode of Go Fact Yourself, we did a What's the Difference segment about the difference between dose and dosage. But one thing that we did not cover was a thing called microdosing. Mm-hmm. Helen, tell them about microdose gummies. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they're perfect for someone like me who enjoys having the benefits of THC but does not quite understand how much to take and in what form to take and when to take it. They make it so easy. They send these delicious gummies that taste great and uh, give you just enough. And if you mm. need a little more, you can take just a little more. They've got all the instructions and ingredients and clarifications right there on the label. It's great for just helping you wind down, chill out, or getting to sleep. Helen, how do people get Microdose? Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about Microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code Go fact to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. That's microdose.com code go fact. Ooh, I'm on it. If Helen's on it, then you should be too. And that's why we say <laughs> thank, thank you, you microdose. microdose. Hi, I'm Janet Varney, and just like you, I survived high school. And we're not alone. On my podcast, The JV Club, I invite some of my friends to share the highs and lows of their teen years, like moments with Aisha Tyler. But when you're a kid, the stakes are just pretty low. Go to school, try not to get in trouble, get laid. Jamila Jamil. I watched television probably every waking hour during that time when I was shit-faced on medicine. And Dave Holmes. We talked and talked, and then everybody left. It was just us two, and I was like, I love you. Learn how you too can be a functioning adult after the drama and heartbreak of high school. Every week on the JV Club with Janet Varney. Find it on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a judgment-free show. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Larry Wilmore and Denise Crosby. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. 
All right, Larry Wilmore, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Beatles lyrics, the original Star Wars trilogy, and the Showtime-era Los Angeles Lakers. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what Beatles lyrics means to you, why you wanted to choose that as a topic. I wasn't really into them growing up, but after John Lennon died, I remember, maybe it was a year or so later, my brother had a tape of Beatles Live at the Hollywood Bowl. Mm -hmm. I always was fascinated by people that made it real big. And when I heard the screams on the tape, I was like, what the? I'm like, this is crazy. Like, and so I went and listened to all the Beatles albums from the beginning, and I was smitten. I was just hooked. You know? In chronological order. In chronological order. Mm -hmm. I've advised other people to do it who weren't quite into the Beatles, and they thanked me for it. Wow. <laughs> all right, Larry, you also said you know a lot about the original Star Wars trilogy. The original Star Wars trilogy came along at a time that was real magical for me, you know, and I just never really cared about the other ones. Yeah, I, I, would, I, should, I, should, I should point out that when you sent me your topic, you actually said uh, the original Star Wars trilogy, and in parenthesis, not that other crap. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah, I think a that lot of people correct. agree with that. Yeah. I stand yeah. by that. You I stand, stand by, by yeah. that. So yeah. what is it about the original Star Wars trilogy that, that meant so much I to you? I think they transported us in a way that movies have rarely done. It came at a time that I felt we really needed it as a culture. <laughs> it was truly magical. Yeah, yeah. That's what I loved about it. All right, great. And then finally, you said you know a lot about the Showtime era Los Angeles Lakers. Speaking of magic, I mean, my favorite <laughs> basketball player of all time is Magic Johnson. I don't, right? I don't understand what Showtime era is. Showtime era is the 1980s Lakers. Why is yeah. it called the Showtime era? It's called Showtime because Jerry Buss gave them the nickname Showtime. It was uh, He used to go to this club in the 60s, and the guy at the beginning, kind of like Bob Foster, would say, it's Showtime. Oh. You know, he would do that. And it always kind of stuck in his head. And he wanted to trend. Basketball was dying when he took over the Lakers. And he brought in the entertainment aspect to basketball. He made the Lakers play an upbeat, kind of fast break style that was entertaining. So he really, you know, made basketball a real entertainment product. I'm still salty that they lost in 84 to the Celtics. Like, I'm still salty about it. Like, I'm not like, yeah, they lost. I'm like, <clears throat> and I'll watch the highlights go, maybe, maybe Worthy won't throw that pass away this time. You know? I'm like, come on, Worthy, uh, tell me you did it again. Grainy you did it again. Yes. I'm like, you did it again. You're like, no. What's wrong with this man? He's not listening to me. All right. Well, to summarize, Larry, you said you know a lot about Beatles lyrics, the original Star Wars trilogy, and the Showtime era Los Angeles Lakers. Today, we're going to quiz you about Beatles lyrics. Yay. All right. All right. Fun. Now, you mentioned that uh, you, you did this research listening to the albums all in order. Did you research any of the lyrics to, to try to understand what they meant, or are you happy to not know what some of them mean? I just found out that Got You Get in, Into My Life, the Paul McCartney song, was written about marijuana. I did not know that. Well, there you go. You See, know what's you cool? Do a little research. What's lovely about this topic for you is tonight <laughs> is Sir Paul's 80th birthday. Wow. Yes, what a lovely coincidence. Wow. Right. And I, I do impressions of all the Beatles. That's how nerdy I am. Oh, well, we got to hear at least your Paul, then. Well, Paul, you know, he was always up there. You know, I don't know if it's something that will do. I mean, I mean, who knows? You know, and John Lennon's, this is John speaking with his voice. You know, he was a little more nasal. But George, you know, he was more <laughs> back in the throat. You know, Paul, I'll play it if you want me to play it. And, hello, this is Ringo Starr, lads. So I'll just sit over here and play my drums. Play my drums. Larry Wayne, ladies and gentlemen. Really good. Are you sure you didn't mean to write Beatles impressions as yes, your topic? Yes. Yeah, I that felt, would have been a fun quiz to write. Okay, my round is over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your turn, Denise. Your turn, baby. Come on.
done. I felt like I needed subtitles, but I loved it. I enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic oh. to test your mastery in the subject oh, with an expert-level question worth up to three points. Ooh. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. Okay. Now, if you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Okay, good. Now, Denise, do listen closely because if Larry answers incorrectly, you can steal. Denise, by the way, how much do you know about Beatles lyrics? Enough like any human being. Okay. You, alive. You have been on, on the, the planet, planet before. Yes, I've okay. been on Earth for <laughs> yeah. some time now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 you know, we'll see. All right. You know? Well, here we go. Here is question number one for Larry okay. Wilmore. On the album Meet the Beatles, all of the songs were written by the Beatles except for one. It's the only song the Beatles ever released that originated in a Broadway show, a show that is in a Tony losing revival on Broadway right now. What was the song or the show? It was uh, Till There Was You. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Yes. There is on the board wow. with the point there. Oh, dude. Oh my lord! Man, I forget the pressure of having to answer. Oh, like, oh, test anxiety. God. Yeah, I'm just yeah. Blanked. It's all fun and games until yeah. we play our game. Which <laughs> is kind of odd. <laughs> fun fact: the widow of Meredith Wilson, who wrote the book music and lyrics for *The Music Man*, said that the song made more royalties from the Beatles' cover wow. of the song than any of the productions wow. of *The Music Are Man* since. Are you kidding? Wow. Wow. All right. Here's question number two. Okay. John Lennon and Paul McCartney, of course, wrote most of the Beatles' songs, mm-hmm. but you could argue that their most popular song today is one written by George Harrison Mm -hmm. because this song is by far the most streamed song by the Beatles on Spotify. Minus the four words in the title, here are all of the lyrics used in the song in alphabetical order. And all been clear, darling, do, that's D-O-O, feel, feels, ice, it, it's like little, melting, right, say, seems, since, slowly, and years. What is this song? Here comes the sun. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Wow. When, when you cover it, you do D-D-D-D instead yeah. of do-do-do. Uh, yeah. yeah. You put your own mark on it. You know, brother's got to do his own thing. Indeed, <laughs> it, indeed it does. Fun fact, according to an analysis by the Guardian newspaper, the most used word in Beatles lyrics is you, which does not appear in this song. Harrison later recorded a follow-up wow. song on his solo album called Here Comes the Moon. Mm, wow. Oh. Yeah, mm. he's, a, he's equal opportunity for celestial delights. Orbits. Running out of titles. Yeah, or running out of titles. George was running out of titles. Here comes a star. I don't know. <laughs> All right, you're two for two, Larry. Here's question number three. Ringo Starr also wrote some Beatles songs. Yes. In his first recorded solo composition for the band, Don't Pass Me By, he sings, I'm sorry that I doubted you. I was so unfair. That line is then followed by two horrible things that happened to you. Name one of them. I'll need a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? I'm guessing most insurance policies cover the collision, but I'm not sure about the alopecia. The song's playing through my head right mm-hmm. now, and I can't... That's so what's a horrible thing that might involve uh, a collision and insurance? A crash. Of a... Um, of what kind of a crash? A car crash. Helen. That is correct. That is correct. We got there. How come I don't remember the, the car but crash? But wait, the alopecia part. Yes, well, the next line was, uh, you were in a car crash and you oh, lost, lost your hair. Lost your hair. That's yeah. Lost your hair. That's the oh, line you, I couldn't think of. Fun fact, though, these were Ringo's first solo lyrics to be recorded by the Beatles in 1968. He had mm-hmm. written the song at least five years earlier. 
they weren't as eager to put Ringo stuff on the record, yeah. it turns out. They were like, Ringo, you could have just passed it by. Get yeah. going. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Don't pass me by. Awesome. All right, Larry, in addition to the wonderful pun is three for three, here's question number four. One Beatles song got most of its lyrics from an 1840s poster advertising an entertainment enterprise, but was banned by the BBC because what character in the lyric was thought to be a reference to heroin? Uh, name the character or the song? The character. You can is, show off and name the song, too, if you want. Is it being for the benefit of Mr. Kite? Per- perhaps, but we're looking for the character now. That's the name of the, oh, the song, um, I believe. A character that uh, the lyric was thought to be a reference to heroin. Mr. K? Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Denise right. with a chance to steal. Mr. H? Helen's it Mr. H? It is not Mr. H. No, <laughs> very close. It was Henry the Horse. Oh, oh Henry the Horse. That makes the sense. Horse. That song makes sense. I had to correct. search those lyrics. Um, yes, it's a, uh, the of line course, is Henry the Horse. Yes, yes. of course, Henry the of course, Horse dances Henry the, the waltz. Horse dances yeah. 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 the waltz. Okay. Fun fact, John Lennon claimed it had nothing to do with heroin and that almost all the lyrics came directly from the poster. However, Henry the yeah. Horse does not appear on the poster. <laughs> There you go. So oh, that John. That John Lennon. He's I a scam. I got the song right, though. You did get the, the song, song right. right. Yes, no, they're, they are getting a little that. more difficult. And in fact, here is yeah. question Woo. number five. Let's see if you can bounce back with this. Okay, and I don't get a clue on this You one. do have one more hint available. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah. a hint. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. The song Day Tripper was a mm-hmm. hit in many countries around the world, but it had a little trouble getting airplay in Germany because the word tripper in German is slang for what unfortunate medical malady. Oh, Jesus Christ. Does anyone speak German and can they pronounce uh, Tripper? Let's uh, have a clue for that. Helen, how about that second hint? It's a sexually transmitted infection. Is it the clap? Can I, can I give you more hint? Yes. It's a sexually transmitted infection, and it rhymes with blonaria. Oh. <laughs> hmm. What could Thank this you. be? Thank you. <laughs> Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen, it's good much. to have you back. Thank you. It's I want to steal. Hint. Yeah, I, I bet you do. <laughs> now, Larry, there's a lot on the line here in more okay. ways than one. Yes, there's a lot on the line. Is it gonorrhea? Ellen? It is gonorrhea. It is gonorrhea. <laughs> wow. That's, wow. That's got to be the only time you will ever hear applause when someone says, <laughs> it is gonorrhea. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're asking a different question Yes, before. maybe. Yeah. Uh, gonorrhea, by the way, is also known as the clap, so we might have given it to you. Oh, uh, yeah, But either way, true. you got it. Uh, fun fact, it right. according to a study by Italy's Università di Ferrara, gonorrhea can be traced back to the earliest records of the human race, oh. with the early Romans, Jews, and Arabs all having documents referring to gonorrhea. See, we're not so different, everybody. <laughs> Let's all give each other some gonorrhea and have a good time. Oh, my God. Larry did very well in that round, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It's time for your cluster fact. (laughs) We missed you, guys. We missed you all very much. Thank you so much. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. All right, Larry, we've asked you questions about lyrics written and recorded by the Beatles, but Mm. some Beatles lyrics were not recorded by them. Mm. In fact, in 1963 and 1964, Lennon and McCartney gave away 16 of their songs that they had written as teenagers Mm -hmm. for other artists to record. Mm -hmm. Now, many of these songs were hits in the UK and America, but only one made it to number one on both sides of the pond. Listen to a clip of that number one song, and we'll ask you your questions. Okay. Rain clouds hide the moon. I'm okay. Here I'll stay with my loneliness. 
I appreciate, by the way, Denise and Larry swaying to the clip of the song. It's how influential so the music still is today. Yeah. All right, so for up to three points, mm. what is the name of this given away Beatles song? What is the first word in the lyrics of the song, which is also a word that appears in the title of the Beatles' first single released in the U.S.? And who is the British duo who had multiple hits with the Beatles' given away songs, including that number one hit we just heard? A World Without Love, is that the song? And then what is the first word in the lyrics? Please. And uh, who is that British duo? Chad and Jeremy. All right. Helen is taking note These of those. These are all guesses. Are they? Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm so impressed. Excellent. <laughs> Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight via Zoom is a multiple Grammy-winning producer, guitarist, and singer whose hit records include that number one hit written by Paul McCartney and John Lennon. It's Peter Asher. Oh, my God. Wow. Peter Asher. Oh, no way. <laughs> You're a superstar. Oh, my God. Hello, Peter Asher. Hi. Nice to be here. So nice to have you. Peter, I listen to your show on Sirius all the time. It's fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. That's very kind of you. I much appreciate it. Excellent. Well, uh, you're joining us uh, from New York. You actually happen to have a day off on a tour that you're doing right now. Tell us uh, about the tour that you've been on. Well, that, this is where it gets extremely ironic because one person who, who was I was actually going to be working with this week um, and who is unfortunately tested positive for COVID the beginning of the week and is at home in quarantine, but is, you've now made his evening. <laughs> because, of course, the friend I'm talking about is Jeremy Clyde from the duo Chad and Jeremy, who had nothing to do with the world. <laughs> That's the best way to have a wrong answer, is if something yeah. makes somebody wow. day. Jeremy, Jeremy will be thrilled. I have to tell him about this. He'll be delighted. Excellent. Well, Larry and Denise were sufficiently impressed, but just to make sure our listeners understand who we have here, some of your credits as a performer, you had 10 top 40 hits. You worked as the director of A&R at Apple Records, where you found some and produced James Taylor. Then as a manager, mm. you worked with Joni Mitchell, Randy Newman, Carol King, James mm. Taylor, Linda Ronstadt. As a producer, you worked with many of those people again, plus Diana Ross, Neil Diamond, Cher, uh. Morrissey, uh. Robin Williams, Kenny Loggins, The Dixie Chicks, Crazy. Hans Zimmer, and <laughs> Billy Joel. You've been awarded 37 gold albums, 22 platinum albums. That's just in the U.S. You have 13 Grammy nominations and three Grammy Awards. Wow. Woo! <laughs> Thank Man. you very much. That's, a, that's an exciting summary. Thank you. Wow. I appreciate it. My uh, Lord. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all the time we have. Just yeah. going oh, thank you. I'm, yes, I'm out of here. I know. It's fantastic. Uh, you also have been awarded the CBE, the Commander of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire what? for your work in the arts. You're uh, a in British your commander? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true. A man of get, distinction. Yeah, what do yes. you get to do as a British commander? Uh, nothing, actually. But, oh. it, but the exciting part is getting it, you know, because you, you go to Buckingham Palace and you get it. Is it like a knighthood? No, it's, 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 one, it's one stop below a knighthood. Oh. Oh, see, day now, any day now, that's what I say. Uh, I, as Larry, I would like to think so. Uh, as Larry dreams. mentioned, uh, you host your own show on the SiriusXM Beatles channel, and, and of course you worked with the Beatles. Uh, let's start sort of, what was your original connection to the Beatles? How did you get to know them and get these songs? Well, actually, the way, the way I met them was through my sister. My sister Jane Asher is an actress, very successful actress in England. She and Paul were going out together for a while, so that's how I first met him was shortly after he met my sister. He ended up moving in with the, with, to, the, to the guest room in our house. And so he and I shared the top floor of our house for a couple of years. And so in lieu of rent, he would give you songs to... Uh... <laughs> 
Yes, uh, you know, I'd actually heard that song and, and uh, you know, it was a song that John Lennon didn't think much of mm. and Paul had never finished it. Uh, John apparently thought the opening lyric, the please lock me away, was a ridiculous oh. opening line. He would say to Paul, uh, okay, I will lock you away, the song's ah. over. So, <laughs> so, so uh, it, they were never going to finish it and, and Gordon and I got, were singing together in, in the club and got signed up and at that point I went to Paul and said, if, if, if you're not doing the song, can we have it? And he said, yes. Wow. wow. And he actually, he actually finished it in your home, right? He actually finished the song in your house? Correct. Yeah, he wrote a lot of songs in the house. And people talk about them giving away songs, but of course, they were, they were delighted. They, they took the role of songwriter very seriously. Amazing. Yeah, I should point out that uh, some of those other 16 songs were given away to a certain act called the Rolling Stones. I don't know if anything yeah. ever became of them. I want to uh, be your man, I think. Yeah. Uh, so That's what did, right, exactly. What do you remember about finding out that you had a number one hit on both sides of the Atlantic? It was incredible, you see, because before the, I mean, the, the Beatles knocked the door down to let the rest of us in, but before that time, British acts, British pop acts did not have hits in America. It was incredibly rare and very unexpected. So our reaction was the same as the Beatles' reaction of a few months earlier when I Want to Hold Your Hand was number one, which was that we would get to go to America. Because mm, huh. we, we admired everything about America. We were living in, you know, uh, poverty-stricken, war recovery, you know, bomb sites everywhere. But there was still rationing in England until 1956. Wow. Oh, wow. Hmm. So we'd grown up, you know, in a whole different environment. And America, to us, looked like this incredibly glamorous fabulous-looking, you know, unbombed country. Hmm. Um, we we do have that which, going for us, so we... Yeah. It, it, it was bombed in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> in, in addition to which, it had all the, the best music we'd ever heard in our lives. Hmm. And, yeah. I mean, until, until the Beatles started to write their own songs, which they turned out to do rather well, hmm. you know, I don't think they ever sang a British song. Wow. Oh, wow. It was all about, it was yeah. all about American yeah, music. Yeah, a lot of Chuck Pe Berry and... Uh, yeah, Peter, yeah. I always admired how the Beatles gave credit to the black artists, you yeah. know, that they admired and listened to everybody from, you know, of course, Chuck Berry and, you know, yeah. Paul would talk about Fats Domino, who he of course. just adored. Yes. You know, and that they sang songs by the Marvelettes and that sort of thing, you know, the, even the, the girl groups, too. You know. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Shirelles, it's, you know, the exactly. Shirelles, and all yeah. that stuff. No, we, we, we just loved that music. And we, to be honest, we, we, we thought that we maybe appreciated American rhythm and blues in a way yeah. that America mm, didn't. I think so, and, yeah. You know, for example, we were all huge Little Richard fans, you know, and, and, and would buy all his records. Tutti Frutti was a big hit in England. And when we would look across at the American charts, which right. were reprinted in one of British magazines, and we noticed that number one in America was Pat Boone's cover version yes. of Tutti right. Frutti. Mm -hmm. We couldn't handle it. Even our charts were segregated in those days, Peter. Yeah. They yes. had black music had to have its own charts in those days. You yeah. Know? yeah. That's why it was called yes. crossover if right. it somehow made it wow. to... To the uh, other chart, yeah. Uh, Peter, you obviously yeah. went on to have a very successful career in producing, and I was interested in learning that uh, you said that that was an ambition of yours the, the minute you started making records as an artist. Well, why did you want to get into producing uh, as soon as you'd started recording? Um, I just, I was so excited about the recording process. You know, the first time I was in a real studio and I realized what a producer could do. You know, you can hire musicians much better than yourself and tell them what to do. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> tell us about what you're doing now. I know you're working on another album coming up. Yeah, I'm working on an album with Susanna Hoffs. I was always a Bangles fan and, and I love her voice and, mm. love, and, and she's singing better than ever. So right. we became friends and, and I'm working on an album with her, which will be coming out uh, in the fall of this year. And last thing I want to ask you about, just going back to the Beatles. How do you describe to people what the popularity of the Beatles was like at its peak? Because I still don't think people quite 
mm-hmm. get exactly how huge it was. Yeah, it's extraordinary. I, I don't think there's anything to compare it to, and mm-hmm. perhaps there will be. I mean, Elvis was was huge and was a, is the king, but but uh, there was something about the Beatles. Uh, the, it was also perfectly cast, and it wasn't cast. It was it was a genuine accident. But mm-hmm. the the four the four individual musicians, the four individual personalities, everything worked, and the music was brilliant. And, and we know from Larry the four individual and, voices. Huh? Did you hear yes. that? That's I did. That was excellent. <laughs> what, did, what did you think of Larry's impressions? <laughs> I thought they were excellent. They were oh, too you're very very thank kind. you. Very kind. All right. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here, as far as very our game kind. is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Larry. First, we wanted to know yes. what was the name of that given away Beatles song that we heard that became a number one hit on both sides of the pond. Helen, what did Larry say? Larry said, "A world without love." And Peter. He was absolutely correct because, uh, and, which is funny because often people leave off the earth. You know, a lot of people go, "Oh, your hit record was World Without Love," mm-hmm. and I, yeah. indeed, I refer to it that way myself. But that, but Larry was precisely correct. It Excellent, is you got the full full love. point Thank there, Larry. Very very, very nice. For Larry words Wilmore. are important, Peter. Yes. As you know, words yes, are important. That's right. All right. Next, we want to know what is the first word in the lyrics of that song, which was also a word that appeared in the title of the Beatles' first single released in the U.S. Helen, what did Larry say? Larry said, "Please." And Peter, entirely right, of course. Please, and then please, please, please. please there please, you go. Please. Well done, Larry Wilmore. All right, and finally, we want to know who is that British duo that had multiple hits with the Beatles giving away songs, including that number one hit we had just heard. Helen, what did Larry say? Larry said, Chad and Jeremy. And Peter and Asher? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> no I'm sorry, Peter. Of, I'm sorry. They did all kinds of cool stuff. They were on Batman. They were on yeah. Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. Oh. They, Chad and Jeremy did tons of the things we didn't do, oh. but they did not have a number one record, and they did not sing A World it. Without Love. All right, and uh, so just for the record, who was that duo, Peter? The correct answer is Peter and Gordon. Peter and Gordon, oh, including Peter Asher. Peter and Gordon. Exactly. Yep. You'd be surprised how many people I go to talk about Peter and Gordon. They go, oh, which one were you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we let you go, uh, Larry, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have him here? I mean, Peter, this is such a treat. You know, I mean, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being out there. You are so accomplished, and yet you devote this special time to talk about somebody else, about the Beatles. And like you, what I share, my love of that time that I share with you is the alchemy you know, is the magic that was there, more so than, you know, the deconstruction of this or that. It was the magic, and I share that love of that with you. So I just want to say it's an honor to meet you. It's such an no, honor. No, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. delighted to meet you too, and, and, and mm-hmm. thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Excellent. Uh, Peter, if people mm-hmm. want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? PeterAsherMusic.com is a website that has stuff on it. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us, Peter Asher, everybody. Yeah. My pleasure. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Larry Wilmore has eight points, and Denise Crosby has half a point with a round of questions for Denise coming up. That's right, Denise. We will talk with you about it. Oh, guys. This is really scary. (laughs) Not at all. All right, we'll talk with Denise about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Larry and Denise will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Oh, my Lord. Wow.
Helen, it's time to talk about ritual. 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 Science-backed <laughs> vitamins that are clean, vegan certified, and third-party tested so you can trust what you're putting into your body. You know, they sent me a couple bottles of ritual multivitamins, and uh, I especially appreciated the ones that I got because they are specifically formulated for a certain gender and a certain age that I happen to fall into right now, <laughs> and it makes it so easy to get all of the supplements that are nutritionist and scientist recommended for me. Because Ritual's multivitamins are designed to help fill common nutrient gaps in the diet, all in just two minty capsules a day. That's right, Helen. They taste and smell like mint. Their delayed-release capsules help absorption and help to avoid an upset stomach. Their plant-based proteins provide a clean and complete plant-based protein designed for specific life stages to support muscle growth. Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off your first three months when you visit ritual.com slash go fact to start your ritual today. Ritual. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, ritual. Hi, I'm Biz, host of One Bad Mother. Whether you're a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I signed my stepson up for a camp that is actually in another state. I feel really stupid, and I don't think we're going to get the money back. And then he found out that the car manual is a book about cars, so now he's reading our car manual. We have... <sighs> So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org, and yes, there will be swears. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Larry Wilmore and Denise Crosby. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. All right, Denise, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about pit bulls, the movie Airport, and how to make the perfect flip turn at the wall while swimming. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us what pit bulls mean to you. I have one. All right. That I rescued. Aww. And Yay, thank rescue. you. And um, Captain Picard has one <gasps> as well. <laughs> Calm down, Helen. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> they are the most misunderstood mm -hmm. dog breed. The shelters are filled with them. Yeah. And I I just started to uh, investigate what, you know, why and how this mm -hmm. happened. This was America's dog in right. the 20s. I'm just trying to re-educate people and, mm -hmm. you know, support them. Very good. All right. You also said you know a lot about the movie Airport. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait, did they, wait, this is not the movie Airplane. No, no, no. no. It's the that movie was, Airport. Yes. This is the original puppy. For those who don't know, this was sort of the original disaster movie that sort of spawned not only its its sequels, but things yeah. like The Towering Inferno. Arthur Haley, and, Arthur yeah. Haley written... The star cast is right. as long as, you know, a tarmac. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just Burt Lancaster, mm -hmm. right. Dean Martin, Helen Hayes, oh, wow. Maureen Stapleton. And what about the movie would say appeals to you so much? It just was this kind of beautiful, kind of sexy, drama, disaster, tension-filled 
George Kennedy, you know, it was just, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he, always, he always shows up when you least oh expect him, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he did all of them, yeah. by the way. You know, there, yeah. were, there were four. So, there. so you love the tense drama. Yes, of that. Yeah. yes, and the beauty. It was a huge hit. It was, right. the, it was the number two uh, box office and in 1970. And a whole bunch of uh, sequels. And, yeah, uh, and parodies. And parodies as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. All right, and finally you said you know a lot about how to make the perfect flip turn at the wall while swimming. Well, I made a few this morning. Oh, wow. okay. You've been studying for the show. I was testing it out. Yeah, I was testing it out yeah. just to make sure I could even, you know, broach mm-hmm. the subject. And yeah, you know, it's it's very important if you're going to be a swimmer mm-hmm. and lap swim. This is this is makes you more fluid. Uh, and for those who don't know, can you briefly explain what is a what is a flip turn? So, you know, you're swimming in the lane and you come to the wall. And instead of stopping and then turning around, you want to just flip over and continue your lap swim. And you can just go on and on. You know, this is, you can do it at 25 meters, 50 meters. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this makes your swimming more efficient. Makes you not run into the wall. Well, I guess well, also you it don't want to run it. Yeah, you don't want to, you know, stop each time at the wall. All right. Well, to summarize, Denise, you said you know a lot about Pitbulls, the movie Airport, and how to make the perfect flip turn at the wall while swimming. Tonight, we're going to quiz you about how to make the perfect flip turn at the wall while swimming. Oh, this is really good. That is not the one I expected, yeah. Jinky. Wow. Yeah. I think Helen might have just found no. that out this morning. Uh, Beatles lyrics and flip turns. We cover yeah. the waterfront. Have you ever been a competitive swimmer? I was. And um, I swam in the Masters. I know it sounds really impressive, but it's a it's a you know it's a it's a YMCA division of swimming, and that, that um, is impressive. That is impressive. Yeah, that's well, fantastic. I you know yeah. And uh, what is your secret to the perfect flip turn? Momentum. Okay. Mm, Momentum. Yeah. What's your preferred stroke? Backstroke. Oh. Interesting. And are you a fan of Olympic swimming? Do you like to watch others oh, swim yeah. and do the uh, flip oh, turn yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael right. Phelps is hot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an expert in this topic. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints for these five questions. Now, Larry, do listen closely, because you can steal if Denise gets <laughs> any of them wrong. <laughs> Larry, I have to ask, how much do you know about how to make the perfect flip turn at the wall while swimming? Well, you know, I'll flip if you want me to flip. <laughs> no, you know. there it is. <laughs> And I won't flip at all, whatever you want me to do. Yeah, so maybe not, as, not, not so much. I know zero. You know zero. Okay, well, you got to start somewhere. I do this. Yes, Larry is very dramatically gesturing, uh, yes. putting Larry, the apples in the basket. Dog paddles. Yeah, dog paddle. Yeah. Hey, whatever works, that's what I say. All right, here's question number one, Denise Crosby. In competitive swimming, a flip turn is not usually done in butterfly and breaststroke races, but instead on what other type of stroke? Freestyle and backstroke. Helen? That is correct. We only wanted one, you gave us two. That is correct for the points. Nice. Uh, fun fact, butterfly and breaststroke are where you'll typically see another type of turn called an open turn. Other turns in swimming include fly to back turn, back to breast turn, and breast to free turn. Now, you did not need the hint in that question, but I know, Helen, you were very eager I'm to dying. give us the hint. I'm oh, dying to give this What would that hint oh, have been? <clears throat> okay, Jakey, drop me a beat. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> it's the type of rap where you improvise making up the words before your eyes. Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Wow. Freestyle, get it? Freestyle. Freestyle, oh. freestyle swimming. Freestyle nice. rap. Yes. Did you get that? Yeah. Wiggle, yes. wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. 
MC H Hong. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. Thank you. Okay, I got to think outside the box. Spitting okay. bars. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's question number two, as if we could possibly move on from that. <laughs> Denise, a flip turn involves the swimmer performing what move underwater that trapeze artists do in the air or that toddlers do on the front lawn? You must somersault. Helen? That is correct. That is correct yeah, for the point. You. Very well done. Yeah. Oh. Helen, good. I know you also wanted to give the hint for that one. This what would a, that hint have it's been? It's a great hint. Okay. It's not... <laughs> no, no, I'm not... <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. I don't... No, thank you. Thank you, though. Yeah. It's not winter pepper. Huh? Thank you. It is Sum- summer salt. Mm. Winter nice. pepper. Thank I like you. That. Yes. That's Thank my you. kind of clue right there. That's right. <laughs> <Wow>. Yeah. <we're> <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun fact the word Somerset used to be used for what we call a somersault, as in a 1840 circus poster mentioning Somersets, which became the inspiration for a certain Beatles song <laughs> that I vaguely recall from our previous segment. <laughs> Wow, tying it Tie in. in. We're not tying afraid to do callbacks. In. I know. All right, you're two for two, Denise. Here is question number. Well, you put enough three. Henry the horse in you, you know. Henry the horse. <laughs> <laughs> in competitive freestyle swimming, immediately after making a flip turn, a swimmer is allowed to swim completely submerged for 15 meters. This is usually accomplished by performing what type of underwater kick? Flutter. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Larry with a chance to steal. A dolphin kick? Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Larry Wilbur with the steal. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. That came out of nowhere, Larry. I'm doing it wrong. No, not at all. That was... No, I mean, my swimming is not doing it wrong. (laughs) Damn, I should be... Okay, How did you know that, Larry? It looks like a dolphin. It does look like a dolphin. Yeah, a little bit. Larry... I didn't know it. It was a guess. Helen Hong with the hint, ladies and gentlemen. Good God. Uh, Fun fact, for those who don't know, the Collins Dictionary defines a dolphin kick as a kick in which the legs move up and down together with the knees bent on the upswing. Undulating. The undulating kick, yes. Yes. (laughs) You too. I know. All right, let's see if you can bounce back with this question number four. Denise, you still have two hints available, and we're very happy to have you here. Okay, good. I got this. I got this. You got it. I got this. Here's question number four. What two indicators, one about two feet from the wall, the other about five meters from the wall, notify a swimmer that it's time to approach their flip turn? The flags okay. above the water and the, what do you call that? The lane line ends mm-hmm. and there's a T. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Ooh. Very nice, Come Denise. On. That's it. That's what I'm talking about. The T-shape at the bottom of the pool and the pennant hung across the pool from above. Uh, Fun fact, that T can be seen at the bottom of the pool, but if you're doing a backstroke, you are not looking down, so the pennant warns you that the wall is coming up. That T indicates you have about one stroke left, the pennant about five strokes. All right, here's Mm -hmm. question number five. Denise, you still have your hint available. In fact, I don't think you've used any hints. Yeah. How about that? All right. Nope. Nothing against you, Larry. (laughs) She don't Ah. need no stinking hints. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you, might, you might in this one. This is a number okay, five. We'll, is, see what, we'll, we'll see okay. how you do. All right, Denise, while you may have perfected it, according to the International Swimming Hall of Fame, the flip turn was invented by Albert Van de Vey in 1934. What country did Albert Van de Vey represent in international competition? Albert Van de Vey. I, I doubt that I I'm would, pronouncing I, that right. I'm I couldn't gonna say, yeah. take a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? Just because someone has a van in their name doesn't mean they're from Holland. 
Right, J. Keith Van Stratton. Oh. Right, Helen Van. Ho- no, Helen Hong. Right, Helen wow. Hong. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That that messes me up a little bit. Oh. Okay. Wait. I'm I'm thinking America. Helen. That is correct. That is correct <laughs> for the points. Fun fact, Albert Vandeweghe was born in New York City. His cousin, NBA All-Star Kiki Vandeweghe, Kiki. was oh, born in Germany. Yeah, played wow. for the UCLA Bruins. There you okay, go. Kiki. Denise, you obviously did quite well in that round, but here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. <laughs> Never gets old. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Okay. Denise, while swimmers tend to develop their own technique that works best for them, there are some elements to the flip turn that nearly all top swimmers do. For up to three points, according to swim instructor and Olympic medalist Kimberly Vandenberg, when doing a flip turn, where should your arms be? Where should your head be? And how far apart should your feet be when they first touch the wall? Watch. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do a flip turn oh, in wow. the air. Oh, wow. And um, This is why you have to come to the live it's never shows. never been done. Yeah. Uh, no. So you're, you're swimming. So right. you tuck in. Okay. So where are your arms now? If you, besides saying tuck by in. By your side. By your side. By okay. your side. By your side. Okay. Your head should be bent into your body. Into your body. Your okay. feet should be uh, hip distance apart. Okay. Okay. All right, we've got Denise's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a swim coach, swim teacher, and owner of a swim academy who is also an Olympic medalist with Team USA. It's Kimberly Vandenberg. No Kimberly Vandenberg, way! ladies and gentlemen, right behind you. What? Oh, my God. Kimberly and Denise embracing big smiles all around, a standing wow. ovation from Larry Wilmore. Wow! Sit down. I recognize you from watching the Olympics. Treat. Hi. Oh Hi. My God. Thanks for having this is me. So cool. You look yeah. a little different without the swim cap. I on. do. I yeah. Do. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But I recognize you. That's crazy. It's funny. Thanks for having me. I'm Wonderful. happy to be here. I love that you love swimming. Oh God! I swam this morning. Yeah. Where oh. did you swim? At Pally High. <gasps> That's where I swim. What? what? Yeah. That is where I swim. What? We're besties. What time? I didn't <laughs> swim there this morning, but my boyfriend and I swim there. That's how we met. We we met swimming there. Oh. Shut up. Oh. He's actually okay, here. This is really cool. For those who don't know, just to go over a little bit of your bona fides there, uh, Kimberly, you are an Olympic bronze medalist, a Pan American gold medalist, a world championship silver medalist, a three-time U.S. national champion, Ooh. and a French national champion in swimming. Man. Thank you. You know a little bit about the flip turn, I take it. Yes. Yes. She knows a little bit about the flip turn. Well, in Helen's introduction, she mentioned that you teach and you have a swim academy. Tell us about those. Yes, I do. So I have a swim academy, Kim Swim Studios, and I teach swimmers of all ages, especially in the Palisades. I've been teaching a lot of younger kids learning how to do their first stroke from the ages of you know, eight months up until eight years old. So it's really sweet to see them gaining confidence and getting comfortable in the water. You know, you mentioned that you tend to teach uh, young people. You also uh, work as a mentor to uh, other athletes. Tell us about that. That's with an organization called Rise. Yes, I work with Rise. And so we work with younger athletes. They're tweens and teenagers. And so I help them. We talk about 30 minutes every week and we talk about their training or about their preparation for swim meets, about balancing school and training and whatever really they 
they want to talk to me about. And I'm just serving as a mentor and I guide them and I give them advice based on my own swimming experience. Because it must be so much pressure when you're a it kid is. and you're like on an Olympic track. Mm-hmm. That it like, is. how did you handle that when you were coming up? I was always this social butterfly, so my coaches always got mad at me because I'd be like <laughs> wanting, I was like, I have a life, you know, to my coach, I'm 13. He's like, yeah, but you have to go swim the 200 butterfly. I'm like, I need to go shopping. <laughs> so I was really, it was hard for me to stay really focused, and I think I understand how the kids are feeling because it's like you have swim practice, you have school, you have your homework, but you also need to have balance. And I think that especially now it's, you could see some athletes struggle with the lack of balance from their younger mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Uh, some yeah. of the other work that you do is with a couple of nonprofits. Uh, tell us about that. I know one involves reading, which is so great. Yeah, so I'm an ambassador for Room to Read, and it focuses on girls' education and in, in Africa and in Asia. So I was able to travel to uh, Sri Lanka, and I got to visit a school, and I got to speak about my education to the girls and my swimming experience, and it was really magical. Mm. That's incredible. Uh, and then the other one, I know you're very uh, proud of is your work with an organization called Hope Floats. Tell us about that. Yes, I'm on the board for Hope Floats, and we work on preventing drowning by giving swim lessons to those less fortunate. That's certainly a worthy cause. So So important. Now, uh, you started like a lot of Olympic athletes at a very young age. It was age eight is when you first started swimming? Age eight was my first swim team. I Mm -hmm. swam in the summer, but I actually started swimming probably when I was four or five in our backyard pool. Okay. And I would play with my brothers. We played sharks and minnows. And I really (laughs) believed I was a mermaid at one point because I was obsessed with the little mermaid. (laughs) So I used to just do dolphin kicking, which I was super impressed that you knew. Yeah. How about that? I I know. I was like, wow. And and is there something (laughs) called a flutter kick? Yeah. It's freestyle. Freestyle. Okay, oh, that's, that's, that's the regular kick like yeah. this as opposed right. to, okay, this will be helpful on a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about your experience with the Olympics. You actually missed making the Olympic team twice before you made it. How do, how do you stay motivated to keep going? Yeah, I've actually missed the Olympic team four times. Oh, what? okay, well, I was trying to be nice. Yeah. Um, no, no I, <laughs> I, I actually think it's important to talk about failure, and I think that because I failed so many times, I was able to appreciate making the team mm-hmm. and because I had that comparison, and I think that that's yeah. something that is not talked about enough. I, I just failed uh, making my research, so uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very motivated. But it was you were right because it was two times before I made the team in 2008. So I, I went okay. to the tri- Olympic trials in 2000, 2004, 2008. Yeah. But how do you stay, like, by the fourth time, you're like, I gotta go again. It was, well, the fifth time I went, <laughs> I was 32, and I was racing, like, 16-year-olds. And uh, I, I was 16 on my first Olympic trials. So it's kind of full circle. There, there's always ups and downs in anyone's career. That's what they always say. Like, it's when you kind of are like, whatever. If it happens, it happens. That's, yeah. when, that's when it happens, right? Yeah. right? yeah, I wouldn't turn down a chance to try to be on the Olympic team, even though I have no qualifications. <laughs> I wouldn't do it. I'm much older than that. Well, let's talk about uh, your experience of making that team for the 2008 Olympics. What was it like to to find out that you made the team and you were going to go to Beijing and compete? So to qualify for the Olympic team in swimming, you have to go to Olympic trials, which is really intense in the U.S. and Australia. The people who final at the Olympic trials, almost anyone in the final can medal at the Olympics. That's how deep our talent is in the U.S. So I qualified in the freestyle. I qualified in the 4 by 200 freestyle, and we mm-hmm. came home in, with a bronze medal. Wow, not bad at which all. Which I forgot. I wanted to bring it for you. Wow. 
I know a lot of people who compete in the Olympics, and especially those who medal, get to do a lot of cool things uh, as a result of that. What, what are some of the coolest things that you got to do as a result of being an Olympic medalist? Besides tonight, obviously. Yeah, tonight yeah. is yeah. top of the charts. Oh, <laughs> um, cool. I would say traveling right after the Olympics, we were able to travel all over. I did clinics and tours in Asia and um, Europe and really almost every continent. I was traveling every month. I was going to Brazil. I was going to Russia. Mm. I was going to Australia. So the traveling element was really amazing, but I think just being able to give back to children and being mm. able to be an ambassador for for nonprofits like Room to yeah. Read and to be on the board for Hope Floats, it's been, that's the real medal. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, uh, you of course are uh, Vandenberg. We yes. mentioned uh, Holland and <laughs> yeah. a couple of vans earlier. Uh, you actually have some connection to uh, our homeland. So my father was born um, in Den Haag, right outside of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And so I'm half Dutch. Oh, there you go. Yes. Oh, well, well it's, it's nice to see one of my fellow country people uh, here tonight. <laughs> All right, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Denise. First, we wanted to know, uh, according to someone named Kimberly Vandenberg, uh, when doing a flip turn, where should your arms be? Helen, what did Denise say? Denise said, arms by your side. And uh, Kimberly? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Uh, next, we want to know where your head should be. Helen, what did Denise say? Bent into the body. <laughs> Kimberly? Kind of cl- close, tucked in, and bent into the yes, body. Yes, your, your chin should be tucked into your body. So that is how you ass. demonstrated it. So that is a point there also for Denise. <laughs> Very good. And finally, we wanted to know how far apart during a flip turn should your feet be when they first touch the wall. Helen, what did Denise say? Denise said feet hip distance apart. That is correct. Yay! That is correct. A clean sweep. <laughs> A double high five. I believe that is probably a high 10 between our athlete and Denise. Wow. Denise, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have her here? I just look forward to swimming with you definitely. at the Pally I know, definitely. Pool. We should set that up. Wow, that's so great. I love that you're working with children, um, teaching them particularly to be safe in the water. Mm-hmm. You know, this is too many children drown each mm. year and it's such um, uh, preventable. a preventable yeah. th- quality you know it's such a preventable thing so this is this is major that what you're doing and um, I'm, I'm so grateful and I'm so grateful to meet you thank you thanks for having me awesome if people want to find out more about you or your work where can they do that Kimberly Vandenberg my website is kimswimstudios.com and you could follow me on Instagram kimswim and kimswimstudios Kim swims, she does. We're glad she made it our way. Kimberly Vandenberg, Olympic medalist for Team USA. Thank you so much, Kimberly. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Ooh, at the end of that round, Larry Wilmore has nine points and Denise Crosby has seven and a half points. All right, a pretty close game. But now it is time for a final round. We call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Larry and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. And you may notice a subtle theme based on tonight's location. Uh, Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Larry, we are currently in Pasadena. True. Correct. We're off to a rocking start. (laughs) Denise, Pasadena is in a valley. False. Incorrect. No, I'm sorry. Yes, we're in San Gabriel Valley right now. Larry, Pasadena, the word, means valley. False. Incorrect. No, it really does. Denise, Pasadena means valley in Spanish. (laughs) False. Correct. Larry, Pasadena means valley in Italian. False. Correct. Yes, Pasadena means valley in Chippewa or Ojibwe languages. Mm -hmm. Uh, Denise, Pasadena is its own city. True. 
Correct. Larry, one of the main reasons Pasadena became its own city was to abolish saloons. False. Incorrect. No, it really did. It wanted to be a dry city with no I'm saloons. I'm like, Pasadena? Yeah. Saloons? How times have changed. Uh, Denise, Pasadena once abolished salons. False. Correct. Larry, there's an actual California saloon called the Salon Saloon. True. Incorrect. No, not that we could find. Denise, there's an actual California salon called the Saloon Salon. True. Correct. <laughs> Larry, the Saloon Salon is in Solano. False. Correct. Denise, the Saloon Salon is in Salinas. False. Correct. Larry, if you go to the Saloon Salon, ask for Celine. (laughs) True. (laughs) Sure. And finally, Denise, because at the Saloon Salon, Celine is less sullen than Selena. (laughs) True. Sure. Let's give a nice hand to Denise. Crosby and Mary Wilmore as Helen tabulates the final score. Oh, my Lord. That was exactly as satisfying as I had hoped. By the way, the Saloon Salon is located about 75 minutes south of here in San Clemente. Let's say we all go there after the show. Yeah. Drinks on me. Drinks on you. Wait, that it's a salon, though. Oh, Right. So what? Haircuts, haircuts hair, on Denise. Hair products on me. <laughs> All right, Helen, are you ready to announce the winner of today's show? Oh, my gosh. J. Keith so is close. such a tight game, but we do have a winner. At the end of the game, Larry Wilmore has 11 points, and Denise Crosby has 11 and a half points. Oh! Congratulations, <laughs> Denise Crosby. <laughs> this is the greatest moment of my life. <laughs> It's the only thing I've ever won oh. in my life. I came, I came back. I came from behind. Yeah, I was petrified. You did a flip turn on I the score. I flipped did. it. Yeah. She did. Denise, I have to ask, what will you do with your championship? I'm going to donate it to charity. Oh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, she's a sweetheart. I'd, I'd love to see the tax deduction on that one. Uh, all right, that just leaves us the opportunity for everyone here on stage to promote anything they might like. Larry Wilmore, where can people find you and what you're up to? A couple of things. You can stream the movie that I'm in, Jerry and Marge Go Large on Paramount+. Plus. It's out there right now. And you can listen to me on Larry Wilmore Black on the Air, uh, my podcast, at any time. Excellent. Um, yeah. We're certainly happy that you joined us for this time. Larry Wilmore, everybody. Thank you. Thank you Denise Crosby, where can people find you and what you're up to? Well, I'm hoping that everyone will check out my new 25th anniversary version of Trekkies, <gasps> the documentary. I'm, I know, Helen. Um, <laughs> Patrick's not in it, though. Um, but anyway, uh, we, just, we just put out a new 4K uh, Blu-ray version in honor of the 25th anniversary this year. So check that out. And... Um, you know, keep on trucking. Keep on trucking, says the swimmer, Denise Crosby, <laughs> and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, I've been wanting to say this for so long in front of a live audience. My hosting partner is the funny, the Helen, the Hong. Helen Hong, what are you going on, Helen? My very, very first comedy special is out right now. It's called Well Hong. 
Because I'm very mature. Mm -hmm. And you can find it right now on uh, Prime, YouTube, and Apple TV Plus. Well Hong, out now. Go watch it. Thank you. And do not misspell it when you're putting it into Google. (laughs) Helen Hong, ladies and gentlemen. Did you mean... (laughs) Uh, And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank, from the bottom of my heart, Larry Wilmore, Denise Crosby, Peter Asher, Kimberly Vandenberg, everyone here at KPCC's Crawford Family Forum, and thank you for coming tonight and for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night! Woo! Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Middle.SymbolAndreaGreaterThanSymbol did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, such a fun podcast, a pleasant, entertaining distraction in the terrible that is 2020. Thanks, Andrea. Sorry it took a while to get to your review. Hope 2022 is better. (laughs) Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton. Comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. No, it doesn't. Oh my God, you're right. It's live. It comes from live. It comes from the KPCC Crawford Family Forum. Let's leave it in. Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from KPCC's Crawford Family Forum Live! Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher, Bart Gold, Pete Cunningham, and Will Moronic. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Our live show photographer is Christine Vallada. Our stage manager is Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to Juliet Green at Juliet Green Management, Chasidia Carosa at Covert Creative, Alex Wilder at Wilmore Films, Greg Straussberg, Sonia Weiser, Robin Russell at DR Doghouse Bully Crew Rescue, and Dr. Richard H. Polsky. For KPCC, John Cohn, Executive Producer, Rebecca Stummy, Events Producer, Tony Frederico, Technical Director, Kristen Payne, Audience Services and Events Manager, and Alexis Juro, Events Intern. I've been Helen Hall! Let's go swimming to the Beatles! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported